How about this fucking team right here? Dustin Brown, short-handed for LA. Score! Here is Goligoski. He gets leveled at the blue line by Dowdy. Speed for it, cheer for uh, kind of like it. On the right wing side, here is Defoli. Shoots, he scores! Battling through it, finally. No sense bitching, right? This is for you, Kings fans, wherever you may be. So the Kings gave us some opportunities to feel really good by doing things like, oh, you know, winning four overtimes in a row. The first time they had ever done that in franchise history. And then the next two games, I mean, I could handle losses. They happen or whatever. But they decided to not score anything. Nothing at all. And Which just makes it feel worse. Okay, so when we last spoke to all of you, I had one small request, or what I thought was a small request, and that was for the Kings to win a game in regulation. Yeah. Mm, seems easy. Seems easy. The Kings, apparently, it's extremely hard for them. Here's what I don't appreciate. The fact that the Pacific Division is a mess in general. Like, that's what happens. But right now, the teams that are at the top of the Pacific Super should not be there. And I don't appreciate <laughs> the Los Angeles Kings not at least tying the Blues game. I mean, they lost by three goals to the Blackhawks. But at least tie the one goal for the Blues right. so that you can get at least the overtime point if you were going to lose or whatever. You got to stay competitive. And it seemed like they had gotten themselves right there. They were 4-3 at one point. Obviously, if they win the next game, they're right back into, you know, trying to push and, and match some of these other teams. And it's still early, but oh my god, <laughs> stop being so frustrating. For how generous they've been with sending everything into overtime and giving the other team uh, a point, you would think that they would try to take the opportunity for themselves, but no. So instead, right, yeah. we're in the world where the Edmonton, Edmonton Oilers are on top of the Pacific Division. Where am I? Where am I? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's been been a weird time at the start of the season for the Pacific Division, and I don't appreciate being on this side of it. <laughs> yeah, this is a really terrible side of it. I mean, it is, I'm not going to go all fatalistic yet, obviously, it's, you know, the first nine games of the season, whatever, but it doesn't bode too well. Right, right, yeah. And actually, the reason why it feels not even dire, but it feels a little more important is because they also keep losing players. Um, yeah. The Kings have, for the last few seasons, been really lucky in terms of injury and not having that many man games lost. Like, guys have gone out, obviously. Yes. There was one with Jonathan Quick went out a couple years ago. Jeff Carter also was out with a foot injury for a little while. Gabrick's out, you know. Uh, yeah, like they're like guys have been in and out, but it's never been like this where it's like a bunch of key players at the same time <laughs> and all getting injuries where it seems like they could be out a while. Like now Braden McNabb got hurt in the third period against the Blues and he wasn't moving his right arm at all. He is now on IR with an upper body injury. And that is very terrifying. And then just today, mere moments ago, <laughs> Andy Andrioff, uh, was out of the Blackhawks game. I think he only played like uh, a few shifts or like one shift of the second period uh, with an upper body injury. And we he didn't return to the game. Don't know if that's going to be like a, a ongoing thing or just a one game thing or what's going on there. But that's another man down. Yeah, <laughs> I hate it. And I mean, not that... I mean, I guess like Andy Andrew, they have a surplus of guys who can play on the fourth line at least. But it's just like... More of this. I, I mean, I wanted to see guys from the rain come up. I just 
didn't expect it to be this soon (laughs) (laughs) or in this way like all at once like i mean you kind of want them to introduce one or two of the rain guys at a time you know yeah give them their chance not by necessity have half of the rain team on the kings because everyone else is broken (laughs) Be careful what you wish for, I guess. We really brought this on ourselves in the most (laughs) unexpected way possible. I mean, we've all seen the movie Bedazzled, I would hope. It's a great movie. (laughs) You always have to be very, very, like, on point with the wording of your wishes. And we were not. We were bamboozled. We should have been so much more specific. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty rough moment for the Kings. And I think, obviously, the not scoring any goals and stuff just makes me feel worse. They were also on the second night of a back-to-back against the Blackhawks, so they just looked so sloppy and so just out of their depth, which also isn't necessarily new in terms of the Kings playing the Blackhawks. But, yeah, that's true. Um, uh, what's unfortunate is they couldn't even capitalize on a power play opportunity because the Blackhawks' penalty kill has been a disaster so far um, to the point of amuse- amusement where, like, last Wednesday, after whatever game they had just played, they had allowed 14 power play goals on 26 chances. Mm-hmm. And now, of course, it's improved a little bit since then. But, I mean, we didn't even get to see the Kings try to, to make that work for them because it just didn't happen before. And there were a few times during this game where Corey Crawford whiffed on like a clear or just like lost the puck a little bit behind the net. So the Kings could have done something, anything uh, <laughs> to capitalize on that error. But yeah, nothing happened. Not not a darn thing. That is disappointing. It's all very sad. I hope this doesn't last, but the problem is the next team that they play is, what, is it the Penguins? Um, rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look like it's going to get any easier for them for a little while, so hopefully they figure something out or just get luckier. I don't. I don't know. I mean, a bright spot for the Kings, actually, is I think Peter Budai has looked pretty good. Like, he allowed the one goal against St. Louis, and he only allowed two goals tonight after having just played the, you know, the same as the rest of the team. So, for the most part, he's looked really great, um, you know, on an emergency kind of, you're the third string guy, and now you're the starter. <laughs> um, so, I can't fault him, and hopefully he stays pretty strong in that, and that way the Kings can get themselves together a little bit and get back to scoring at least a couple goals. Yeah, I'll, I'll take one at this point, because uh, it's been two <laughs> games without one, so once again uh, a small ask, I think, but who knows it's maybe asking for the world but yeah, Peter Buda has been really excellent um, I ha- with how he's played in the last few games, I haven't been so worried every time the opposing team comes towards the net. It's been yeah. surprising, but good. To the Kings' credit they have also gotten a little more consistent defensively. Maybe, like, again, they looked kind of messy tonight. But for the most part, over the last stretch of games, um, when they've been rested more and stuff, they have started to get the defense together. They're not allowing a ton of shots. Right. Um, I think the average was, like, 25 or 26 before this game. So it, it seems like stuff is coming together, so hopefully we don't have to worry too greatly going forward, even with the loss of Andy Andrioff and the big question mark being without Brayden McNabb, who has established himself as a regular defender on this team. And then they'll continue to give themselves a chance. We just need the guys who can provide offense to do it. Yeah, it's been definitely a sluggish start for, for everyone. I mean, at this point, we've got Alec Martinez leading the team in points 
um, with right. Tanner Pearson right behind him. So not usually your your regulars as to who's should be like leading the team in scoring and and helping them along. So hopefully the Kings kind of get it together there. Yeah, as much as I love Alec Martinez, it's it yeah. super strange to see him leading the team in scoring. Yeah, I'm not going to no. try to place the like scoring burden on him. I do adore him, <laughs> right. but I'm not trying to put this on him. Even though I have to say, at least Andre Kopitar has tried very hard. In that game against Nashville, he, he was so good and hit like <laughs> three posts. <laughs> so some of them are trying it's just not quite happening for them yet and i hope that turns around and for part of the game he like didn't have a stick but was still going for it you know he (laughs) yeah he's the captain now so he knows he has to lead by example blocked a shot cleared the puck amazing he's on top although even dustin brown had like you know has been doing decent work or was like the last few games so i don't know i hope we they we get to a point where the guys who should be producing do get a little more consistent and put the puck in the net a little a little more often um we finally got just the the one jeff carter goal at the end of the preds game too and that was it was a weird goal yeah i appreciate we got it it wasn't exactly the hat trick against the preds that i was (laughs) predicting weirdly and or hoping for but it was a goal and i hope maybe jeff carter scoring in overtime against the predators is his new thing because remember he had that really great play last season where it was like on one end there was the puck uh, blocked like a two-on-one was broken up and then he s- skated yep. down across the entire rink and scored in overtime yeah. with the most beautiful shot uh so maybe that's his new thing not hat tricks but really sick overtime really sick of- against the national predators well, that's fine whatever he wants to do against i like that he's just like personally personally prosecuting the nashville predators though it's so fun. he can continue that that's good it's good by me mm-hmm mm-hmm um, so, yeah, there were some fun things in the games that they did win, although we're still looking for a regulation win for the LA Kings, and hopefully that comes soon. It would be great if it could come against the Penguins, though it's hard to be cocky about that kind of thing in the moment. Yeah. Maybe, you never know. Maybe the Ducks. I don't know. Because that's, that's their next game. So Okay, so it's the Ducks and it's then the It's the Ducks Penguins. and then the Penguins. So Got either it. one of them. Anyone. Please. Help us. And at least the Ducks are not as good. So, so maybe they have a little bit more of a chance. They're hanging, they're hanging down with the Kings at the bottom of the division. So. <laughs> Great. Love it. Love this basement. Yes. Oh, before we move on from talking about injuries, I also just want to note that even the Kings AHL affiliate now is dealing with their own goalie problems. Jonah Emu, who had played with his dad right? He got injured in a game and they had to sign his dad to a PTO because even though the Kings signed with or signed Anders Lindback, like I don't think he was with the team yet because of visa things. They have to get that in order. Um, and they had also, I think, just added another guy, Redmond, but they had like just done it or something. So <laughs> they were ill-equipped for this. <laughs> um, and now they got Jack Flynn, but at least Jack Flynn was in that and got his first win. So unfortunately, though, that means goalie problems all over this franchise yeah there's right not <laughs> the kings if anything else happens the kings are gonna have a hard time tapping into uh any sort of goalie pool it's like a <laughs> goalie kiddie pool a, like a goalie puddle at this point there's not a whole lot of options for them when they're signing dads to um 
PTOs. Pretty much they should just start keeping a running list of people who say they play in goal. Yeah. <laughs> just in case they need to start running down that list. Like, all right, who do we got? Who's next on the list here? We got our little phone bank. <laughs> just call up the next person. Maybe like one of the defensemen or forwards played goalie when they were younger before they figured out that they wanted to be a forward, like a forward of right, some right. sort. <laughs> Maybe they could just any uh, put, on, put on the pads and see how it goes. Didn't they ask... Or no, it was like which forward they would have switched to defense. I don't know if they've ever talked to them about who could play in goal. Who can play in goal. It would probably still be Trevor Lewis. Probably. <laughs> he's he's the king's uh what is it? Unsung hero. So yeah, yeah. he could he can play it all. What else is going on with the games? That's kind of it. I mean, like the games that they've won have been fun, the games that they have lost have been sad. Uh it's still not really panic time. Although I don't I have to think that most people aren't expecting a ton out of this team this season. Not that they'll do horribly, but you know, we already talked about, like, my goal is if they make the playoffs, great. I'll feel satisfied. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so I'm, I'm still not really worried, but I, I would just like to see things get back on track and stay on track for a little while, which I realize is tough if guys keep getting Yeah, injured. I think it's the, the unknown quantity of that, of, like, people getting injured and there never being, like, a consistent lineup for people or for the kings to kind of like get the flow going because i have seen some people be really negative about what where the kings are going or how many games they've lost or you know being like well this is the end of like a good version of the the kings but i mean it's still early in the season but i can see kind of what they're saying just there hasn't been anything that shows any sort of, like, cohesion or consistency. Right. You know, for any prolonged period of time. And not that it makes me super nervous, but I'd like to see it, see it sooner rather than later. Like, I'm not going to start yelling about them not making the playoffs quite yet, but uh, it's a little disconcerting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not the most heartening start that they have no. had. Um, although it could also still be a lot worse. They haven't lost a ton. I mean, like, three is still the most games they've lost in a row so far so it's it could they could still be on a losing streak right it could always be much more terrible but um i am at least interested to see how they adapt who they call up a lot of people think maybe kevin gravel right will come up because of Braden mcnab or whatever right now like matt green was in and um yeah we'll see what happens and with Andreoff, i wonder if they'll call up somebody from the rain or just try to ride it out just like yeah words that they have I guess depending on how bad his injury is. Right, yeah. You know, might as well give someone a chance instead of, like, limping along if it's going to be something extended. But, I mean, if they don't want to mix it up too much, I guess just kind of play with the hand that they've got. Um, the Kings are not the only team, I noticed, that have been having some injury trouble. Because I was trying to figure out why some of the teams that have been able to get as many wins as they have and stuff, like what's happening. And I still didn't quite figure it out. But I did notice which when it made me look at the different rosters, like which other teams have been having trouble injury-wise and keeping guys in. The Dallas Stars were, when I looked, 3-4-1, uh, and one, I believe it was, on the season so far. And they have injuries to Jason Spezza, Patrick Sharp, Alish Hemsky, um, Eakin, and Yanmark. And then Hoodler was out because he's just sick, so he'll probably be back relatively soon. But that is a lot of key guys. Like, if we want to talk about the Kings missing some key guys, yeah. they are also missing a bunch of pretty important dudes in their lineup. So the Kings aren't the only team suffering in the West right now. Um, and it's sort of, I think, made them a little more susceptible and... The way, you know, things have kind of made the Kings a little more susceptible to losing. But 
it'll be interesting to see how long those troubles last for both the Kings and a team like the Dallas Stars, who people consider, you know, pretty big threats in this conference. Right. Um, and how, whether or not that gives other teams an advantage to really get super far ahead early on and or, or what's happening. So that's another team to kind of, I guess, be aware of to see how it affects their standings. It bumps, me out, fascinating. it bumps me out about the Stars, though, because they've been so promising for the last couple of seasons. Like, right. they just needed a little bit more experience, a little bit more experience in the in the postseason. And just like a, just one, one other thing, you know, one other, I don't know if it's a player, if it's just uh, some more experience, if it's a defenseman, if it's whatever it is, to make it further than they've been before. And I've been really ex- – and I love watching them because they're just, like, a really fast team. Right. But uh, – so it's kind of a bummer that they're off to a slow start there with all of the significant injuries. So that's, like, setting them back a little bit. And I was hoping to see them do well or go far this year. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, they, they still can, like I said, yeah. depending on when some of these guys come back. But it is – it has made it a rougher, a little more difficult for them to start off. Yeah, I think it's weird that the. I mean, even though I was very happy to see the Kings win the game against the Predators, it's kind of weird to see them stumble a little bit out of the gate. And I think part of that is just adapting to the both the lack of Shea Weber and how they played around him, mm-hmm. and um, the addition of PK Subban and their styles being so different. So I think the also Pekarene was going through something. Even like in the Anaheim game, I heard he was terrible. Um, he played decently against the Kings. So another team that's kind of building in a certain direction and being strong or becoming stronger and kind of set back to start the season. The West, the West Western conference has been a little odd. Yeah. It's been, it's definitely been a little shaky. Um, but it's funny because then we've also had just a, like a pretty decent amount of scoring and some like people scoring hat tricks and, I think there was another yeah. one today. I think Michael Grabner just scored one. So there were two because Colton Sevier also. Oh, there you go. So there's just like the the best of both worlds, or I guess <laughs> right. the worst of one and the best of the other. So good for some people, terrible for us who has yeah. uh, multiple players injured. Yeah, it's yeah rough in the way that our the team that we follow the closest is struggling a little bit, but great in the sense that there's so much odd chaos happening around the league that it's interesting. It makes it fun because you never you literally never know what's going to happen at this point. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I'm pretty excited to see it. You know who I need to pump the brakes though and that's the Toronto Maple Leafs fans they're like the Maple Leafs have won like two games <laughs> and so many of them are like they're gonna challenge for the cup I, I was I it's was very gonna, odd they've won two games but all of a sudden they're gonna win the Stanley Cup or they're I mean first of all that they're gonna make it to the playoffs which okay fine whatever but also that they're going to win the Stanley Cup like against the Oilers right like uh, yeah <laughs> what, what? where that? are we what I he I hope he was he had to have been joking right like that what was that um it was I don't know how to pronounce his last name but Jeffler basically was the one somebody was like kind of offhand someone tweeted oh we're gonna see a Leafs Oilers final in the, ne- in the next five years and his response a quote tweet was next year if the Oilers don't Oilers it are you kidding me <laughs> what are you talking about <laughs> You can't be right. Or you can't be serious, I should say. That was so wild to me. But so many Leafs fans are just that hype. And it's like, why don't you just be glad that you won't finish in the bottom five? <laughs> Come on. I guess Maybe. They're just You've putting all their games. eggs in the Austin Matthews basket. And oh. it's just, you know, 
they're riding this high and they're reaching for the stars because if they can do this, they can do anything. Like win the Stanley Cup this year. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I guess so. I'm Wow. Because I was trying to think back. Like even the Penguins, because they had gone to the final and lost and then gone to the final again and won the Cup, right? But mm-hmm. I, a lot of people, I remember when they were looking back on that season – a season I did not watch, so I'm not speaking from experience. Um, we're looking, we're saying that that Penguins team who originally made it to the final got really lucky. Like they probably shouldn't have been that good that quickly. And then, of course, like the next season, they had to fire their coach, yeah. and it was Bilesma who got them to the final. So I don't understand why people think that an Austin Matthew t- Matthews team or even a Connor McDavid team is somehow going to be leaps and bounds better than that Crosby, the team that Crosby had around him and the people who were working with that team back then. Um, But they're super confident so far, uh, which is just weird and kind of off-putting, but mostly hilarious. Someone's going to eat their words come, you know, May, June. And it could be us, but I have a feeling that it won't. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everybody's just very, very hype and confident in a way that I don't understand. But I'm like, enjoy your excitement. I just wonder why the excitement is like, my team is garbage. My team is amazing now. <laughs> um, it just doesn't tend yeah. to happen that way. I appreciate the enthusiasm, but it might be a little bit early and a little bit misplaced. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Kings have been doing their black and white series and another one was out just a few days ago. It was kind of just a look into the whole, I mean, obviously we all know with Mike Richards and Jarrett Stoll and all of the, you know, drug problems that the Kings have been having. Dean Lombardi had asked uh, Brant Myers to come in and be the director of the Kings Player Assistance Program, which I think is a really cool thing to have because it's not just a thing where, you know, you come in, you give a speech, you give a seminar, and hope that it sticks with them and that they reach out to someone. It's like a constant uh, program that they have. Like, they're always, they have an, or he has an office at the Toyota Sports Center. He's trying to gain the trust of everyone. Um, it, it, the, the episode is kind of just about the program. So, and they reference it themselves, you know, it takes a long time for, players to trust, you know, an outsider and for players to, if they have a problem, come in and ask someone for help. But it's, and they know that it'll take a while and you might not see results right away, but the fact that they're doing it at all, I think is an excellent, excellent thing to provide that assistance to, to players in case they need help. So it can only be a good thing, I think. Um, but yeah, it was a, it was a pretty interesting episode. Uh, so Brent Myers apparently, failed five drug tests and oh, wow. then was uh, permanently banned from the NHL, which I didn't know it took. I don't know. That seems like a lot to me. I think it's, well, I mean, I've read the the substance program as it exists so far, and I think there are like four steps that all involve treatment, and I mm-hmm. guess it's once you've been to all four stages of it and you just are still failing it, yeah. The fifth one is like, we don't even have any more. That, mu- that must be with. it. Because I thought it was just like five just like unconnected, you know, drug tests. And then it happened. I was like, ah, someone probably should have done something first. Um, Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of weird that that's unclear, I guess. I mean, it also depends on his age. Although I think that policy has been around since like the 90s or something, 97 maybe. I don't know. Um, But yeah, five, that's intense. But I'm excited to see if 
this helps anyone. And honestly, we may, we might not see it at all. We may hear absolutely nothing about whether it's helped or not, but it may help someone. And for that, I'm fine with it. I'm happy that the Kings have this program in place. Um, I hope that if someone needs help, it helps them. Um, but it was, it was just a nice little insight to, to know that the Kings are at least looking out for their players now. Maybe it's a little, not too late, but I mean, people are taking it more seriously. I think what's fascinating about it is that the Kings, particularly Lombardi, but the in general, the people who are in charge of running the Kings right now have this whole thing about culture. And when Lombardi took over, he was talking about the difficulties of trying to change a culture and getting guys' heads and hearts in the right place. Um, and this is kind of like that, but obviously from a different angle and for a different purpose. And like you said, it will take some time for them to get to know Brandt himself and just what this program is supposed to be and how it's supposed to work. But I think that's an interesting thing. Like you, you kind of have to establish um, Los Angeles and the LA Kings organization as a place where they have that resource available and for it to feel um, normalized, right? Because yeah. if, if you're so used to not having anybody to talk to and then not really knowing the person that they bring in, like, it'll be interesting to see how the presence of a person there specifically dedicated to helping with these problems um, at every or any stage, how that kind of filters out and changes the in the whole feeling of that organization because um, I think it could and not in like in a drastic or bad way or anything but I I just it's like you know once people start paying attention to something like mental health um, the way that they interact with each other and how openly they talk about it like I, I don't know I just wonder I wonder how it will shape or reshape how things work in Los Angeles overall yeah I mean it's an ongoing thing just like in society being someone to say like, oh, I have like a problem. I have a mental health issue. I have someone that I need to talk to and for that being and for that to be okay. So obviously right, yeah. it's going to reflect in professional sports where everyone's supposed to be like a big man on campus, don't share your weakness. Um to actually have them open up about something that that's wrong or something that they're they think they might have a problem with. So yeah, I'm I'm glad that it exists and we'll see if this changes the culture, if it changes anything about how players are in the NHL because uh, D. Lombardi was saying it in the episode as well, just like when you give a kid $40 million, your lifestyle changes quite a bit. And right. there's not exactly an easy way to deal with all of all of the like privilege that comes with it and all of the temptations that come with it. So I'm I'm interested to see where this leads to or, you know, what else it leads to if any other teams kind of adopt a similar program. That makes me think of two things. Um, the first actually is Austin Matthews again, because I forget exactly what the interview was, but the Leafs have been very particular about who they let have access to him. And one of the quotes was, you know, about how, they're very aware that he's going to meet a lot of people in his life and there are going to be a lot of people who want to interact with him and they just want to make sure that they are responsible responsible about who they let in his space. Um, and on the one hand, it's like interesting because it's like, all right, he should have people look out for him. On the other hand, it's like, you're not my mom. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Like he's not, he's also still an adult. So, um, so it's, yeah, it's like an interesting dance where it's like, but it's true that he's still, I mean, he's an adult, but he's a young adult. Um, and he does have a lot more attention and money now. And I just find it fascinating watching the league try to figure that stuff out. Because again, even like the player, um, I forget what it's called, but they're like the rookie 
development transitional program that they have basically is still only a few years old. So the concept of helping guys sort of uh, help usher them into the NHL is relatively new and <laughs> probably still changing as they go. Um, so it's always interesting when I hear people bring up the fact that, okay, I guess we have to figure out, like, who do we, who do they interact with? What do they get involved in in yeah. the first couple of years beyond just like, oh, maybe they live with a teammate who will help them learn how to do laundry. I don't know. Um so that's always fascinating. But then also the NHL is still really new about or really new at figuring out the other side of that when players move on from the NHL right. to, um, you know, post-career things. And I, well, a funny thing actually was um, Vice Sports wrote up the piece about how Mike Commodore, and he tweeted about it, which is where it started, but then they talked to him. Mike Commodore decided to sign up for Uber. <laughs> <laughs> he was in Arizona, and he was like, I'm gonna get approved for Uber and drive around. And so he went out on a Friday evening, like a week or so ago, um, or maybe like this past Friday, I don't know, recently, and decided to drive around Scottsdale. He said he made $94 and got $5 in tips. <laughs> <laughs> He just wanted to meet people. Um, he joked about how one guy was a cheapskate, but it's chill. Um, and But when they asked him, so, like, what really made you want to do it? And he said, I, he was bought out in 2012. And since then, like, he's had a ton of free time. And so he says, quote, I'm single. I've got no kids. I was just looking for something to get me out of the house and keep me out of the bars. I don't really do too much except play golf or go to the bar. So I figured this would be a good social thing for me. And so it's sort of like the opposite side of the spectrum where it's like, all right, I've got all this time and I still have a decent amount of money. What do I do with it? What do I do with myself? Yeah, what to do. Well, that's why I always like seeing players come back and like working with their team, the team. I mean, but I guess it's kind of the same thing. They're still working in hockey and they just don't know what to do after that. Yeah. Yeah. Even the King's own, like Jim Fox talked about his first couple years after playing, he wasn't sure what to do with himself and it took him a little while. And like, clearly now he's got, he's established, he's been with the Kings for a long time and he's got his uh, wine and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, it's sounds like it's, could be really tough for a lot of guys i would love to be to have my commodore be my uber driver would that be amazing like just request an uber he drives a cadillac escalate so i don't know what class of uber car so the the answer is i would never have my commodore pick me up because (laughs) i am not an uber like i don't get the black car i'm just straight whatever the cheaper uber yeah, so although he's like he only got five dollars in tips, so maybe those he's he's driving the regular one, and you just happen to get an ex- Escalade if he's on. So, so bonuses all around. And he said at one point he picked up like Doug Waite's daughter or something with a group of friends, and it just just found out. I don't know. It was really charming, but I also respect him being like, I need to do something with myself. Yeah, I I also like the thing about his niece though, where he had to clarify like two minutes later. By the way, by picking up, I mean. <laughs> they ordered an Uber, and I picked them up in my car and dropped them off somewhere, not in the other weird way. Right. Don't make it weird. <laughs> they're, like, preteens. They're, like, 16 years old. Please don't do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he just wanted to talk to people. That's all. Oh, man. So I, but I thought that was a fun little story with, like, this interesting nugget in the middle of it yeah. of, like, <laughs> I just need something to do. That's how it is for a lot of sports players though you know once their career is over and they've spent so much time doing this and devoting all of their mental 
energy and time and just like actual time into doing this like what do you do what do you do then true and that makes me always so fascinated by the ones who seem to have either already plans for other stuff that they want to do or even just hobbies i find it because like t- today i read an interview with uh, the rangers jimmy Vesey, and he was like he has a degree in government and stuff he went to harvard but even he was like i just want to do hockey i think even when i get to the other side of my career i'll still try to find a way to have a job in uh, hockey ops or something um but then there is i think he's a leafs player zach hyman writes children's books <laughs> um like now so i wonder it's fucking when... delightful <laughs> yeah he's he's written he's published two and his first one was hockey related or hockey themed i don't i'm not sure if his second one was i think it might have been but it was different from the first and i think his latest one might not be at all he doesn't want to stick to just writing hockey stories even though he said he is um, still invested in sticking to children's stories, though he might try a novel at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it makes me wonder, like, is this, like, once he ends his hockey career, is he like, I'm going to be a best-selling author? I don't know. <laughs> like, that's amazing. World's your oyster, man. I support that. I'll buy that book. You're right, yeah. So anyway, Zach Hyman, go help him, you know, read his, his books to your kids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that's pretty much all I have. Keep it relatively short since I'll be honest with everyone. I've been sick the last couple of days, but I've been sick of, uh, watching the Kings not score goals. So, I mean, maybe they have what I have (laughs) (laughs) and none of us are just at a hundred percent, but they've got some home games next. They're playing the ducks and then the penguins and then the flames. So a good set of actually like a good, like set of teams in terms of skill level, you know, mm-hmm. uh, to see how they fare. Maybe they just need a, a fun Halloween and then we'll get into November um, a better team. Please, please just win some more games, win a game in regulation. I feel like that's still our wish for this week yes. <laughs> is when we come back next week, regulation win. They're going to get a standing ovation from me when they just score a goal. <laughs> Fair. I'll, I'll probably be laying down, but yeah, I'll clap. <laughs> in my heart, I'm giving a standing ovation. In reality, I'm burritoed in my blanket and not leaving my cabin. <laughs> right. Just chilling. It's fine. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, everyone, take care of yourselves, and we will talk to you again next week. Hopefully, we will have more things to cheer about. You know where to find us? Twitter, Facebook. We're at ThanksBud, as usual. Website, ThanksBud.com. Email us, chirp at ThanksBud. Um, we will catch you next time, folks. Goodbye, friends. Bye, everyone.